0: Hey
1: everybody, JJ Cooper, Jeff Pons here, another baseball America playoff podcast. We only have one game from yesterday to discuss today, thanks to rain, which uh also means we have a kind of crazy day today. And and we're gonna get into we're gonna analyze yesterday's Astros. Uh, Mariners game in just a second but one thing I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent for a second here which is I know social media especially Twitter is a critical uh, is is often critical and I know that MLB does many things that are worthy of criticism we criticize them ourselves at times but but one that I did find amazing was the reaction to the Yankees guardians game being rained out (laughs) <laughs> and the complaints that that left last night without playoff baseball, succeeding the ground to football. And also the complaint that today's Friday's Guardians-Yankees game is going to be at 107. And to which I would say, everyone, it rained. Baseball and rain don't get along all that well. There was nothing MLB could do. And while you may be annoyed that today's game is going to be at one o'clock, even more so if I was a fan of the Braves Phillies or if I was a fan of the Dodgers Padres and I had tickets to today's game, I would be rather upset if they changed the game time of that game because they said, wait, 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 the Yankees are going to bump you and you're going to move to a day game on 24 hours notice that would not make any sense at all so having gotten that mini rant out of the way how are you doing jeff
0: not too bad not too bad yeah i was disappointed that you know i didn't have a second game to watch yesterday um the first game was excellent i think overall you know the playoffs have been you know um a collection of fairly good games but uh yeah, it was a little tough. I had to figure out something to do last night, but, you know, that being said, I'll take the trade-off of having three games on a Friday, where I can, you know, sit in the couch and relax and start off my weekend on a high note. So, I'm looking forward to it today. You know, it's like sometimes you lose something one day, but you gain it back the next. So, I'm uh, future Jeff is happy right now because I got plenty of baseball to watch today. F-
1: future Jeff, which is turning into present Jeff real soon,
0: because <laughs> Yes,
1: we're recording this at close to eleven o'clock on uh, Friday morning, and future Jeff will be here in two hours, basically. <laughs> so future JJ is also excited. Um, yeah, but a, a very good. I, the thing I will say about these playoff series so far, we've had a lot of really enjoyable games. So before we turn this into a Jordan Alvarez appreciation podcast, which Mariners fans, I'm giving you warning. It's coming because that's what we're going to do. But what else stood out from yesterday's game?
0: I think for me, you know the 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 big thing I was most excited to watch and enjoyed the most was just sort of that pitching matchup and that battle between Louis Castillo, Framber Valdez. You know, sort of the tie-in with. Castillo and and the Astros and the Mariners too is they actually acquired him while the Mariners were in Houston. This is the first time that they've actually faced Castillo, I believe, as a member of the Mariners. So really interesting angle there. I think it brings another another um, sort of element to the series. Obviously, um, when you're facing off against a guy like Framber Valdez, it does some of the some things very similarly. Obviously, a left-handed pitcher, but guy that has secondary stuff that he can miss bats with drives a ton of ground balls similar to Louis Castillo and uh, it was just fun to sort of watch a game where two guys on the mound that were capable of generating outs in a variety of forms and fashions um, and I think situationally you know that that obviously has a ton of value. Um, despite the Astros being up to nothing, this has been a close and tremendously entertaining series as much as, as any in the last few years I would even under I
1: I really did enjoy also that was that was two very good pitchers pitching to the to their level of ability <laughs> yesterday two starting pitchers I should say and Just, that's fun yeah fun. I mean that's that's what we want to see that's where I do get I I like all kinds of baseball games do enjoy a 10-8 game, but I also enjoy, I I had fun in that. I know some people didn't, but that raised guardians 15 inning game where I I thought that was incredibly tense the whole game. But I thought that yesterday's yesterday's Astro Mariners game again, was a case of where it was going to turn on just a little something here, a little something there. I, I thought Julio Rodriguez had a great game, but I do come back to, was it the sixth, but somewhere in the middle innings, there was a backup slider that I thought like Rodriguez just missed. I want to say it was two strikes and games turn on things like that. Like it was, it was not where, uh, you know, the Astros wanted it and it was where J-Rod wanted it and he just missed it, which happens, but it was one of those things where you go, Oh, that's, that's, that's how these games shift. Yep. and and the other thing with that is, is you know, I I came to a depressing realization yesterday as I watched Julio Rodriguez, that, okay, I'll ask you how many? I mean, realistically, if with good help, uh, I think what Rodriguez probably has fifteen to maybe even twenty years of uh, uh, of big league time ahead of him. Is that is that reasonable, Jeff?
0: Yeah, I think uh, you know absolutely. When you look at the level of talent that this guy has and how long players that are that good last. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable, you know? Uh, and he was in the major leagues really early. So he's not even going to be that old in 10 years, you know? Um, 15 makes guy him guy 36.
1: Prime. <laughs> yeah. 15 makes him 36. 20 means he'd play to his early forties, which I think is, Again, that would be the upper end, but we just saw that with Albert Pujols. We saw mm-hmm. that with, you know, Yadier Molina. We've seen that with Adam Wainwright. We've seen that in several examples this year. Um, but the depressing realization I have with that is, is I may be watching the first major league player who will still be playing when I'm retired. And uh, Oof. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that hit hard. That really did. But okay. We're, we're going to spend a lot about, uh, Basically, so far, the best hitter of the playoffs in just a minute. But before we do that, we have a quick break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And we're back. So, Jeff, I feel like yesterday, if you said, what is the key to the game? I will hand this to you. I will put it on a platter. What was the key to yesterday's game to you, Jeff?
0: <laughs> Find a way to avoid Jordan Alvarez. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. And there was no good way to do so. I mean, you, you have situations where... I don't, he's not Barry Bonds in 2003 yet where you're just like, I don't care how many bad base runners there are. We're just walking him. We're not there yet. Right. No. But that said, I, I the thing that I thought stood out from that is there was a debate after game one. Okay. You brought Robbie Ray in to face him. Is that really what you wanted to do? He hits lefties as well as he hit righties. Yesterday, what stands out is that's the pitcher that you want facing Jordan Alvarez, right? Like Castillo is the Mariners' best pitcher. And it did not matter because <laughs> he covers the whole plate. He hits righties. He hit lefties. he Puts together good at-bats. We are watching one of the best hitters in baseball, who's on a hot streak right now. Yeah. And, and when you see that, it gets, it gets really fun if you're an Astros fan, but it also gets really tense and, uh, and utterly annoying. Like, is there a way right now? Like, again, other than walking him, the thing that stands out to me is, is he doesn't have like clear holes in his swing. He Mm -hmm. covers inside, he covers outside lefties, righties. He yeah. really it comes down to, it's just avoiding having guys on base in front of him right now. I feel like is, is maybe the other best approach, but, but yeah. I, that lead, that leads me to the question, which I don't think a lot of people have thought of. Maybe I want to give something on this. That's other than, you know, he's really good. And if we say that, it's like, yes, thank you. We, we, we already knew that, but other than Jordan Alvarez really good. I do want to ask you what this is what would this Dodgers team look like if they hadn't traded Alvarez for Josh Fields, what is what does this Dodgers lineup look like? If you just throw Jordan Alvarez into the middle of the lineup as well,
0: oof! <laughs> um, Padres fans right now are uh, are shaking and, and shuddering at the the very idea of uh, Jordan Alvarez being in that lineup. Um, I'll I'll make the answer really short and uh, try to make my people from Boston feel better. you an Alvarez just would have been traded for Mookie Bats, right? No. No, <laughs> no. That's no. my joke. But anyway, I, I, I mean, I think you look at it here, Justin Turner's their DH. Um, they got Trace Thompson in left field. So I don't know, swap out Trace Thompson. Um, sorry, Clay and the the Thompson clan, but Swap him out, move him to the bench, and swap in Jordan Alvarez to left field or DH or whatever. Um, and you have a lineup that's probably Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Jordan Alvarez, followed by Will Smith, Max Muncie, Justin Turner, Gavin Lux, and uh oh Cody Ballinger. Oh, and by the way, Joey Gallo, Miguel Vargas, and Chris Taylor are all on the bench. <laughs> This is a team that
1: scored 847 runs this year and allowed 513, which is one of the greatest run differentials we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it would have been even crazier if you just add Jordan Alvarez to that. And again, that is, I do also use Jordan Alvarez as the example. I always talk about how the cost of trading at the deadline is often quite low. The one, dif- the one exception, though, the one, when you do have exception it's dark. and as great as the Dodgers are, uh, it is incredibly f- important to the Astros. Like that is one of those trades that is franchise altering. And the other thing that that some people may find annoying that I will point out today is is we are now far enough away. Jordan Alvarez is not part of you. You, you can't bang a trash can and say he was part of it because was. This is effectively there are still a couple of players left, but this is effectively a new Astros team mm-hmm. and they're still really good. Yeah. And I do think that because of the hatred in some cases that still lingers from, uh, you know, from what is now five years ago, I do think it kind of gets lost as much as I talk about how great this Dodgers team and this Astros team is also a team that can go down as an all-time great look at how many wins they had in the regular season how dominating they were in the regular season how dominating their starting pitching is uh which by the way is largely yes they have justin Verlander, but largely homegrown and entirely it's just i i do look at this and I will put it this way. It's been a great season for you, Seattle. It's been a uh a streak ending season for Seattle. I do not like their chances of of uh of coming back to Houston even. I'll hmm. put it that way. They'd have to come back for game five. What do you think their chances are for that?
0: Yeah, I think that they're you know, I do think they're gonna steal a game in this series. Um I I I think that Kirby at home probably sets up pretty well for them. Um And that's not to say they're not going to, you know, you know, the Astros aren't going to make it difficult. They obviously are, but I think these games have been too close um, for there not to be just, you know, um, a little bit of chaos in terms of the Mariners stealing a game and making it a little bit tighter because they said these, these series, you know, the series has been really close. Um, These have been close games. Uh, You know, the, the run differential between the two games is three runs and, I think if we look at it, then Seattle has actually led for a majority of the innings this season, uh, this series. Um, So as good as the Astros are, as much as you compliment them, uh, as great as Jordan Alvarez has been, Seattle really has shown up. I do think there needs to be some credit due. They maybe haven't executed situationally in a few spots. There were some decisions that you can maybe debate with. Um, But I think at the end of the day, when you take a step back, you have to say, hey, they're really hanging with the Astros here. And oh. the, the, the differential of a couple of days off the home series, setting things up, getting the bullpen fresh again. Um, and, you know, maybe deciding that you're just not going to pitch to Jordan Alvarez, because even when you throw him a sinker, his worst pitch on the outside part of the plate, <laughs> he still hits it 400 feet to the opposite field. So um, you know maybe it's figuring out just a few of those things. And just one point I wanted to, to, to jump in on, as you mentioned with oh. the Astros, this is also a new front office. You know, a lot of the folks that were involved with some of those decisions front office wise have been replaced, um, you know, on the analytics side, on the scouting side. They've gone back to uh, in-person scouting again, which is something that was changed, um, you know, under the prior regime and lewd now. So I think we need to think about it differently, too, even from just a baseball, inner, inside baseball sort of standpoint. Um, things have changed and there's some reasons to maybe not hold that all against them. And then the last thing I want to say is the really remarkable thing here about the Astros is their ability to keep together the core, but as each piece leaves, replace that player with somebody else they've developed internally. Who's really good. Kyle Tucker, more or less sort of replacing George Springer, um, Jeremy Pena this year, replacing Carlos Correa. Obviously that's not a like for like swap, but what's not, Ignore the fact that Jeremy Pena's had two of the biggest at-bats in this series, arguably the biggest at-bat outside of Joran Alvarez's at-bats in game one. Getting um, on base there, he had a big double yesterday. He was two for three. He's performing in that spot, and when he hits behind Tuve and in front of Alvarez, Bregman, Tucker, Uriel Mancini, that really brings sort of another dimension, another wrinkle to them. And he's a good defender. We saw, you know, how good they can be uh, defensively yesterday. Some some good plays in the infield, particularly that throw by Altuve. So um, I think it's just their ability to execute. And then the last thing I'll say is their pitchers outside of Justin Verlander are all under contract until 2026 minimum. So we have another three years of these six starters under contract and control uh, at minimum with the Astros. And when you think about the fact that, they're a winning team. They're a competitive team. This window hasn't closed at any point in time. Oh, and they've been able to internally, homegrown-wise, rebuild their pitching staff on the fly. It's pretty remarkable, and uh, you know, credit to their front office for doing so.
1: Rebuild it on the fly, and like to a point where when we talk about Hunter Brown, we don't have an obvious – I think he's good enough that he's going to force his way into that rotation, but it's not obvious, mm-hmm. which – How many teams are there out there that could have a pitcher of Hunter Brown's caliber and be like, oh, I don't know if he fits into the rotation. Two, three, four. I don't know if I get to that number of other teams in the majors who could say that. And I could say for a lot of teams where Hunter Brown would be penciled in right now to be their number three or number four starter next year with the idea that he could go further than that. Is that a reasonable you you do our Astros a lot. So is that a reasonable assessment for Hunter Brown?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, that's one of the remarkable things that I've said about this team is they have seven starting pitchers going into this series. They have a six-man rotation, and oh, they have Hunter Brown on the bench, who threw over 100 innings this year and cert- certainly capable of going four to five innings and holding his electric stuff. So, yeah, I mean – it's it's a it's a good problem to have, but something's going to have to shake out here, especially if Justin Verlander is back at Houston next year, because there just aren't enough spots. And there's too many guys here who are major league caliber starting pieces. It's crazy,
1: but we'll get ready for a cavalcade of baseball future. Jeff's going to be very excited in about uh, two hours as we <laughs> a uh, three games uh, today. We will have a lot of baseball this weekend. It's going to be fun. So we'll be back on Monday to recap what well this weekend for Jeff. I'm JJ. So long, everybody.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day.